Over his 34-year career, my husband has authored over 50 published articles, along with several books, videos, and audio training programs on the subject of network marketing. He's also been repeatedly recognized as one of the top network marketing trainers in the world. In June of 2011, he was invited to visit our company's home office. He was so impressed with what he saw that he decided that day to walk away from his lucrative speaking and consulting career and got started as a team of one. Today, that team of one has grown to over 200,000 customers, associates, managers, directors, executives, and millionaires in 17 countries. Today, my husband and I work together and we are extremely grateful to have been recognized as the number one income earners for our company worldwide. But what I'm most excited about today is that thanks to podcast technology, you can learn the leadership skills, the leadership lessons that will help you grow your own world-class team. With that in mind, let the man who's been teaching others about leadership for decades share what he's been teaching with you. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce my business partner and the love of my life, my husband, Michael S. Klaus. Well, here we are again, episode number four. And today I've got to tell you, I am so incredibly excited about your formula for lifelong success. I can hardly wait to get the words out of my mouth. You know, this goes all the way back, years. In fact, I've been applying this for probably the better part of two decades. A very simple formula that really has allowed me to understand why sometimes life works out so incredibly well. And the formula also helps expose why sometimes life does not work out as we had planned. It's a, one of those formulas that you can literally use to look around your world and understand why whatever part of it is working. And you can also use the formula to understand why whatever part of it isn't working. I mean, it's just a beautiful formula. So why is this important? Well, most of us at one point or another have probably heard the expression, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Uh, the problem with that, of course, is that it's really just not true. I mean, you may be able to clean out your garage, you may know you need to clean out your garage, and yet you just may not want to invest the time it will take to clean out your garage. And just because your garage needs a little bit of your attention does not mean your finances are in disrepair or your body is in disrepair or your relationships are in disrepair. No, how we do one thing is not necessarily how we do everything. Some formulas really don't work across the board. But then we run across formulas like this that I will promise you time after time area of your life after area of your life, the more you use this, the more you will understand this is how you have acquired everything in your world, whether what you have is working for you or not working for you, this is how you ended up there. So it's important for us to understand the formula. What I'm going to refer to is your formula for lifelong success. Because remember, we want to appreciate that leadership is progressive. Leadership is not something we learn overnight. As we've discussed, leadership is something we learn 
over time. And because we learn this over time, we need to be able to appreciate how we're going to apply this formula to continue doing the things that are working for us. And we're also going to need to understand how to apply this formula so that we can make adjustments in whatever, whatever area of life is not working for us. So let's talk about this. And by the way, here is what I would really love. I would love it if you would just sit back, enjoy this experience, and let me share from my heart this formula for lifelong success. But after you've gone through this a time or two, just listening and really taking it all in, I would also like for you to sit down with a piece of paper in front of you. Really take the notes that I have in front of me, the notes that I'm going to be using to give you this information so that you have a printed copy Remember when we spoke earlier about getting things out of your head and getting them down on paper? Well, this is one where we absolutely want to commit this to paper, to memory, and then eventually to every facet of our life. So here's how your piece of paper, one sheet, should look. You should have five areas that we're going to discuss. I'm going to give you the title of the area, the subheading, if you will, and then underneath that, we'll define it. And we will go all the way down, then we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to explain it. So what you should have is a clean 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper, and you should give yourself enough room to put one, two, three, four, five areas, five points, five words, and make sure you have enough room to write under each one of those words. If that makes sense, let's proceed. So first of all, let's talk about what works or what doesn't work, either way, how we got there. It all starts with what we're going to call your philosophy. So that's the very first word for your paper, your philosophy. Now, if you took the time to look up the word philosophy in the dictionary, you might run across something like this. The study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline. Yes, philosophy. But that's a little bit more detail than we really need for our conversation. So we're simply going to define philosophy is everything you know and how you feel about it. It's more than just what you know. It's how you feel about what you know, whether or not you believe it to be true. But we'll come back to this in a moment. So on your paper, you should just have the word philosophy and the definition everything you know and how you feel about it. Now, everything you know and how you feel about it really motivates us to think. And that's really what happens. Everything starts with a thought. Remember when we spoke earlier, I mentioned that making the decision to become a leader was in fact just a decision? Well, that originates in your mind. So the next word for our piece of paper, of course, here is attitude. Now, again, if we took the time to look up the word attitude in the dictionary, we might run across a definition, something like this, a way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Okay, fair enough. That's your attitude. But for purposes of our conversation, we want to simplify it. So here's what I would suggest you write down and remember. When we talk about your attitude, we're talking about what you think about all day long. What are those thoughts that creep into your mind when you awaken for the day? 
What are those thoughts as you're getting ready, taking a shower or otherwise? What are the thoughts that you're having as you're moving through your work day, your play day, whatever it happens to be? What are you thinking about all day long? That we will define as your attitude. Now, the next word down on our piece of paper would be the word actions. So again, going to the dictionary, if we look up the word actions, we might run across a definition like this. The process of doing something, typically to achieve an aim. Fair enough. But for purposes of our conversation, we're going to define actions as simply what you do. So getting up in the morning, that would be an action step. Making a breakfast for yourself, making a shake or otherwise, that would be an action step. Getting ready for work, that would be an action step. Your commute, that would be an action step. The job itself, an action step. Anything that you're actually doing, what you do, we will define as an action step. Now, those actions produce the next result down on our piece of paper. We're going to call those results. So again, if we took a look at the dictionary, we might run across a definition, something like this. A consequence, effect, or outcome of something. A result. All right, fair enough. But again, for purposes of our conversation, we're going to define results as simply what you get. Results are the things you accomplish. They're what you get from the actions you take what you do from the thoughts that you think about all day long based upon what you know and believe to be true. Now, what all of this does is it trickulates down to our very last word, the fifth word for your piece of paper, which is the word lifestyle. Now, I suppose I could have chosen a number of words to try to make my point. So again, because we're trying to explain this, if we took the time to look up the word lifestyle in the dictionary, we again might run across a definition like this. The way in which a person or group lives. Your lifestyle. But for purposes, again, of our conversation, we're going to define your lifestyle is simply what you have. It's the job you have, the home you have, the relationships you have, the car you have, the income you have. It's what you could visibly see around you. In other words, if you gave me the opportunity to kind of be your photographer and I was just trying to capture an example of your world and I followed you around for a week or two, what would I be able to to put on film, so to speak, or now take with my little digital camera? What would I be able to capture that we're going to call your lifestyle? So the question really becomes, how is that working for you when you speak? When you stop and think about, for example, the job you have, how do you feel about the job you have? Because that's part of your lifestyle. Is that working for you or maybe not so much? What about the home, the apartment, or the flat that is the place where you dwell with the people you care about? How's that working for you? Is that the place you've always wanted to live or is it just where you're living now? Again, how did you get there? And if you want something different, Maybe you might even define it as something better. How will you get there? What about the automobile you're driving or the income that you're earning or the relationships you're uh, participating in? Whatever the area is, again, lifestyle. So now let's talk about this because this is very fascinating. Everything we have that we experience that we see here in the tangible world, what we're calling our lifestyle, we acquired because of the results that we got. Well, the results, of course, came from the actions that we took. 
or sometimes didn't take. But not doing something for purposes of our conversation, we're still going to define as an action step. Deciding to sit on the couch and do nothing is still a decision to do nothing, which is by definition something. Still an action step. Those actions came from the attitude or your way of thinking, what you think about all day long. Hey, maybe I think I'll watch another show on Netflix, or maybe I think I'll get up and go work out, or maybe I think I'll go, you get the idea. But all of that really originates in what we know and believe to be true, our philosophy. Again, everything we know and how we feel about it. So how does this formula go together? Well, think about every formula, or another word might be recipe, and we really have the components. If we were going to make a chocolate cake, I think we've discussed this uh, previously, if we were going to put together a little recipe for a chocolate cake, we certainly would need to gather together the ingredients. The second thing we would certainly need to be able to understand is how do those ingredients go together? What is the process? Do we bake the flour first and then mix in the egg? I mean, that would include the ingredients of flour and egg, but if we did it that way, we're not going to produce a cake. We have to have the right ingredients, we have to put them together in the right order, and we have to give ourselves the right amount of time if we want to produce the finished result. We want it to look like the cover on the cookbook. So how does this recipe, how does this formula, what we're calling your formula for lifelong success, how does this formula actually work? Well, from the time you were born, people have been giving you information. It probably started with your parents, your family, your friends, brothers, sisters, people you were around. If you're involved in any type of worship, that certainly influenced you. As you continue to grow, school and your teachers and the other people who were participating no doubt influenced you. If you're involved in sport, no doubt your choices may be based upon where you live. You know, if you live in Seattle, you might root for the Seahawks. Maybe if you're in Denver, it's the Denver Broncos. You get the idea. But our surroundings, our environment, everything we know and believe to be true really originated as our philosophy. It, it, we've been building on this ever since. But here comes the shocker. Just because we know something and just because we believe it to be true doesn't necessarily mean it's true. I mean, after all, we have many conflicting opinions about almost everything. What is, after all, the best diet? What is the best way to worship? What is the best lifestyle moving forward? What's the best place or where is the best place to live? Who is the best person to live with? And on and on it goes. And the more you look into any one of these topics, the more you're going to find controversy, discord, People that have a differing opinion than perhaps you. Well, where did they acquire their opinion? Where did they acquire their philosophy? Well, it's everything they know and how they feel about it. Maybe they were reading different books. Maybe they were around different people. Maybe they grew up in a different environment. After all, it's a little challenging to grow up in Boston with a Mississippi accent. I'm telling you, if you grow up in Boston, you're going to sound like a Bostonian. If you grow up in Mississippi, you're probably going to sound like you're from that part of the world, too. You know, those individuals that have accents don't recognize an accent where they're standing from because everybody around them sounds like they are. I didn't realize I could have an accent so easily until I got on an airplane one day and flew to Australia. I've always wanted to have an accent. Turns out all I needed to do was go there. But the crazy part about all of this is, 
Everything we know and believe to be true drives what we think about. What we think about drives what we do, what we do, what we get, and what we get, what we have. It's been that way from the very beginning, and it isn't going to change. Here's the challenge. When most people look around at their lifestyle and they're not happy with their results, what do they do? Well, because they've never had this conversation, they do the only reasonable thing they can think to do. They change their actions, or at least they attempt to. Let's talk about a real-world situation that is affecting most of us listening today, I'm sure. We don't like the body that we're living in. Indeed, people are overweight. They don't have the muscle they would like. They don't have the muscle definition, certainly, they would like. And so they're constantly looking for ways that they can improve their own appearance. So what do most people do when they look in the mirror, get on the scale, and they just don't like what they're seeing or experiencing. They don't like how, how they feel. What do they do? Well, most of them don't say, hey, you know what I need to do? I need to refine my philosophy so that I will think differently. I will act differently. I will produce a different result and end up with a different lifestyle. Yes, that's what I need to do. I need to go to work on my philosophy. That's not what people do. What do they do? Well, if you have your piece of paper in front of you, and I hope you do, what I'd like you to, to uh, do is put a bracket around the bottom three words. Put a little bracket around actions, results, and lifestyle. And that subset, you want to put the little note next to that bracket that says, Recipe for Disaster, approximately 97% of the time. Why are we teaching something that practically guarantees failure? Well, the only reasonable idea we would teach anything that practically guaranteed failure is we just don't know it guarantees failure for most people. I mean, after all, if we did, we probably wouldn't do it. But we don't know that. So the person who's a little overweight joins a gym, an action step. They change their diet, an action step. They get rid of the food that isn't serving them well, an action step. They do all of these different things, and yet, guess what happens? Well, if they can somehow, some way maintain that, no worries. Because a different action will, over time, produce a different result. Wonderful. And a different result will actually show up in a different lifestyle. And we see it in our company all of the time. The challenge? We don't talk about the other side of the coin. We don't talk about the other side of the equation. Where most people have come to us, they've chosen the right package of products for themselves. They've got to say a weight loss goal. That's what they're looking to do is get a little weight off, feel a little bit better, look a little bit better, sleep a little bit better. They select the right package. The box comes, they're excited about it. They start using it. They start feeling a little bit better, but guess what? Even though they might even experience some weight loss early on, where do we find these people within 90 days? Hey, where do we find most of these people within 30 days? You got it. They're right back to where they were before. Why? Well, because a subset of this formula, changing one's actions to produce a different result to affect one's lifestyle, only works for about 3% of the people. Now, what makes this even worse is that those 3% are promoted and they are celebrated without us even realizing it. 
We've got Mary who took a look at this. She got her little package just like you do or did. The back box showed up. Mary opened it up. She said, hey, this is pretty straightforward. Do a little bit of this every day, a little bit of this every day, a little bit of this every day. I can do that. Not a big deal. At the end of 30 days, Mary is looking great. She reorders. And a 60 days, she's feeling amazing. And in 90 days, she's absolutely crushing it. And so we take a picture of her. We've got the before. We've got the after. We post it up on social media. You've seen these. We've all seen these. And you're sitting at home thinking, what's wrong with me? Because I've gotten my box and I opened it up and, you know, about one or two weeks in, it's like, I just, I don't know. We can't focus on the three percenters. We can't focus on the people that are going to climb the mountain no matter what happens. We can't focus on teaching techniques that will only benefit a handful of people. Three out of a hundred. Why, while 97% of the hundred are failing, we don't want to do that. So we have to go and refine our philosophy. This was one of the tipping points for me in my life when I understood that. Now, let me give you an example, maybe two examples, if I could, about what I really mean about refining one's philosophy. Because when we have something that isn't working, I mean, if you're living, for example, in America and you've been working for more than 10 years and you're still struggling to pay your bills, 10 years is enough time to figure out how to comfortably care for your family. I don't want anyone to feel like they're being picked on, but if you've been doing it for more than 10 years and you're still feeling a financial burden, we need to refine our philosophy. And going out and working harder or getting a different job or even including a side hustle like what we're advocating will probably not get you where you want to go. Why? Because you probably won't continue moving forward until you get the success. I mean, after all, we know this works. There's no doubt this works. We have the clinical scientific proof the products work. We have success stories beyond imagination that this works. So why do we have so many people that aren't able to succeed? Because again, the people we're promoting are the ones that are going to figure it out and do it anyway. We have to make sure that what we're teaching and training as we move through this leadership program together, what we're teaching and training is something that almost anyone can do. When I say almost anyone, I wish I could say anyone, but truth be told, there are some people that just aren't going to do the work. And if someone isn't going to do the work, there's not much we can do to help them. But we can begin to educate people and let them know what they need to do. Refine their philosophy. So let me give you a couple of refinements that really have affected me so that hopefully I can make my point. For example, were you aware that in 2003, scientists finished mapping the human genome? Yes, the Human Genome Project was completed in, in April of 2003. Now, if philosophy is everything you know and how you feel about that information, if you didn't know that they finished mapping the human genome in April of 2003, now you do. Okay, so what? What does that have to do with me? How does this fit into what we're having from the standpoint of a conversation? Well, one of the biggest aha moments, one of the biggest epiphanies or breakthroughs when scientists finished mapping the human genome is that the human body cannot process corn. Now, you think this would have made national news. Oh, wait, it did. You think people would have really picked up on it. They didn't. You think with this much overwhelming evidence, we would all make lifestyle adjustments. We won't. 
So what do you mean the human body can't process corn? Yes, high fructose corn syrup, body can't really handle that. Corn on the cob can't handle that. Listen, you know, all you need to do is go have some, call me tomorrow and say, you know, I guess maybe you're right. Now, looking back, it would appear no matter what I did, body doesn't really seem to have handled that all that well. Corn chips when you go to the Mexican little cantina. Corn bread, corn fritters, corn is everywhere. Start looking at the ingredient labels and you'll find corn is being put into almost anything and everything they can possibly think of, including feed for animals. Yes, they grow the corn here in Nebraska, they feed it to the animals, people eat the animals, so we are by extension eating corn because we're not what we eat, we're what we eat ate. So if we're eating something that ate corn, we are by extension eating corn. Not healthy. It's just not healthy. But does anyone care? Well, again, remember what philosophy is? It's everything you know and, and that word is critical here, and how you feel about it. So right now, if you're going, I don't care, then even though you know, and you can do your own research and validate what I'm suggesting, if you have any doubt, you can validate that the Human Genome Project was completed in April of 2003, but if you don't care, and you're not willing to take any action based upon that, then you are not refining one's philosophy, in this case, yours. What about another illustration? I never knew what sugar and soda meant, because they hide it in a word called grams. Now, if you live in a part of the world where that's common speak, wonderful. But here in America, we were promised the metric system when I was a boy. I felt lied to. I mean, here we are. I mean, my goodness sakes, we still don't have the metric system here. And yet when I pick up the can of soda, it still tells me how many grams are of sugar are in that can or that bottle or that container, whatever it happens to be. So do you have any idea what they're actually giving us? Well, here's a refinement for your philosophy. A 12-ounce soda, a sugary soda, typically sugared with, you got it, high fructose corn syrup, we've already discussed that, 39 grams of sugar is pretty typical. Well, what does that mean, 39 grams? I don't know what that means. All I know is it tastes good. What does that mean? Well, here's the rule, kind of the formula. Grams divided by four will get you teaspoons or packets of sugar. You know when you're at a little restaurant and they've got little packets of sugar there? So think about either packets of sugar, visualize that, or teaspoons, whichever makes more sense to you. Grams divided by four will give you teaspoons or packets of sugar. So that 12-ounce soda, 39 grams of sugar, that's 9.75 teaspoons or packets of sugar. So I want you to imagine this. You invite me over to your home on a summer's afternoon and you serve a little iced tea. I ask you, is it sweetened or unsweetened? And you say it's unsweetened iced tea. I say, wonderful, do you have any sugar? And you say, yes, we've got some sugar. And so you bring out the white sugar that would be appropriate, I suppose, for a beverage on a nice warm summer afternoon. We're sitting out on the deck, enjoying some conversation. And you watch me take that teaspoon and put in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Almost 10, nine and three quarters teaspoons of sugar in that little tiny 12 ounce drink. What are you thinking right about now? If you don't know me very well, would it be somewhere along, along the lines of, apparently he likes sugar. Well, what if it's a little bit bigger? 12 ounces is not very much anymore. A 16 ounce soda has 52 grams on average. That's 13 packets of sugar. 
A 20-ounce soda, which is so common it's frightening, has a whopping 65 grams of sugar. That's 16 and a quarter packets. Could you imagine me consuming one of those on your back deck as we're having a little conversation and then saying, that was delicious, I would love another one. And you give me another 20 ounce iced tea and I put in another 16 and a quarter packets of sugar. This is what's happening in our world. We're not aware of what's going on. We move through time, we move through life, and before we know it, we're grown, we're in a relationship, we're living somewhere, doing something, but what's going on around us? Her world, for the most part, is not working. We don't make enough money to support our families. The automobiles we drive are really not what we would have chosen. The home or the environment or the flat we're living in is just temporary at best because we're thinking about something better at least for most people, we're not satisfied with where we are. But just because you're not satisfied doesn't mean your life isn't working everywhere. You may be a beautiful friend. Well, how did you become a beautiful friend? Well, your philosophy on friendship and how you treat one another, that transcends down to your attitude, how you think, how you think about other people, how you think about caring for others. That shows up in the actions. You're being kind and outgoing and really seeing if you could be of service to other people. That shows up in your results. You probably have lots of friends and people are inviting you over because they like your company. And when it comes to your lifestyle, you're probably never lonely because you have so many people that you really enjoy being with. And by extension, they enjoy being with you. But if you can't pay your bills, if the home, when you finally go home to it, is not really where you want to live... If all of these other things aren't working, what do you do to make the adjustments? I mean, we can move out of our flat or our home, but we can't move out of our body. So if your body isn't behaving, we need not to just simply make an actions to create results, to produce lifestyle adjustment in our life. No, we need to go all the way to the top and we need to start asking ourselves some pretty good questions about what we know and believe about food. What do you know and believe to be true about what you're eating? What do you know and believe to be true about what you're doing from an exercise perspective? What do you know and believe to be true about hydration? What do you know and believe to be true about sleep? Oh, there is a big one. You know, so many people who are trying to get healthy rather rarely take the time to look into sleep. It's important. But what is your philosophy when it comes to sleep? What do you know and believe to be true? And of course, pertaining specifically to our conversation today, what do you know and believe to be true about your chances of getting your body where you want it to be and your bank account where you want it to be? What do you think your chances are? Not someone else's, but yours. Well, if you're not really so sure, we need to go to work on refining your philosophy. And here's how we do it. You need to begin taking in new, accurate information that will help you think differently. Those thoughts will lead to actions. Those actions will lead to results. And those results over time will show up in your lifestyle. And that is the purpose of, lead, of this leadership program. That is the purpose of lessons in leadership, to be able to progressively educate you over time, to refine your philosophy, 
to teach you the fundamentals of finding people to have conversations with, to teach you the fundamentals on how you transition those conversations into presentations, to teach you the fundamentals on how you transition those presentations into associations, people who want to become associates, and how we teach and train those individuals who really want to pursue this too, how to do it step by step. In other words, how to amplify the definition of leadership, to really do what you're doing one step at a time. How do we do it? Well, it starts with really just a personal checkup a checkup from the neck up. You've got to take a look at the areas in your life and just ask yourself, how are they working for me? Remember when we talked on one of our earlier podcasts about your calendar? And do you remember when I mentioned to you that you should have your hierarchy or a little pecking order of the important areas of your life? I mentioned that the spiritual side the family side, the physical side, the financial side, which we defined as your job, the fun, all of those things, there should be a place. And that obviously my list may be different than yours, but to make sure you had a list, go back to that particular list and give yourself a grade. It's only for your eyes. No one needs to see it. And it's just for a moment in time. Give yourself a little grade from one to 10 in each one of those areas. One, I could not be more dissatisfied. I am so unhealthy or so unhappy or I'm struggling so much to pay my bills. I could not be more dissatisfied. 10, of course, is this is working for me. I couldn't imagine a better result. Just be honest with yourself and just give yourself a number. Date it. And then let's go to work on improving those numbers to get them all to tens over time. It won't happen overnight, but it can happen over time. And when you take a look at those numbers, and remember, one of those on your little pecking order list should be your side hustle, your network marketing business, building the team that's going to allow you to earn the income to set yourself financially free. How do you feel about your chances of succeeding there? If that's a relatively low number, we need to go to work on that number too. We need to get all of those numbers over time to tens. But I want you to remember from this day forward, whatever is working for you, this is how you got there. Whatever is not working for you, this is also how you got there. Just because you know something and even believe it to be true, does not necessarily mean that it is true. I mean, after all, on a package of cigarettes today, it typically says something that is less than positive. I saw a package one afternoon and it said, this will kill you. That's less than positive. I've seen another that says, smoking causes lung disease. Less than positive. And yet with all of the overwhelming evidence, again, a refinement in one's philosophy, perhaps, with all of the overwhelming evidence, you think, well, people would just quit. And yet, what do we notice if we're just observant? We notice that there are a lot of people who still choose to smoke. Why? Well, because remember, our philosophy is not only what we know, but how we feel about that. So if we know this is not healthy, but we don't really care that much, or we've tried to get 
rid of the habit and found it just too difficult and have kind of acquiesced backwards. Whatever our philosophy is, that's driving our attitude, our thoughts, which of course is driving our actions, which is producing our results, which is showing up in our lifestyle. If we want our lifestyle to be different, if we want to become a non-smoker for purposes of illustration only, we've got to go all the way back to the top of this formula, your formula for lifelong success. And we have to ask ourselves, what do I know and believe to be true about smoking? Hey, what do I know and believe to be true about money? What do I know and believe to be true about health? What do I know and believe to be true about working out? What do I know and believe to be true about sleep? What do I know and believe to be true about network marketing? What do I know and believe to be true about protein? How important is that in my body? What do I know, really know and believe to be true? And if you find that in an area of your life, you're just not getting the results that you want, we need to refine our philosophy. And last but not least for today, if you ever find yourself caught up in that kind of revolving door of just trying to do more, trying to do more, trying to do more so you can produce more, produce more, produce more so that you can end up with a better lifestyle. Hey, listen, if you're one of the three percenters, that will take you straight to the top of the mountain. But if you're like most people and one of the 97 percenters, all you will eventually do is tire out. So we're going to teach 100% of the people what it takes to succeed. That's the purpose of lessons in leadership. You, of course, have to do the work. And it starts with going back to your calendar, looking at your little checklist, your pecking order, the hierarchy, giving yourself a number rating, and then let's go to work on getting all of those to attend. Because what I want is one day, this is the ultimate goal, where you wake up in the morning after you're finished sleeping. You find that you've woken up with the one you love. You couldn't imagine living in a better part of the world. You couldn't imagine living in a nicer home. You couldn't imagine how the day will unfold. And not because this is a special day. This is just for you another day. Because you've taken the time to figure out what matters to you. You've taken the time to find and refine your philosophy so that everything you know and believe to be true is driving what you think about. What's driving your thoughts are your actions and what's what are driving your actions or your results you're getting what you ultimately want and it's showing up in what you have because then and only then when someone comes to you and says hey how did you acquire such a beautiful life instead of telling them i just worked hard really hard you'll be able to show them this philosophy you'll be able to talk with them about this formula your formula for lifelong success and you'll be able to teach them exactly what they need to do. Now, over the next few weeks, let's go to work on your numbers and see if we can't get all of them to attend. That being said, I've got some good news for you for our next podcast because we're now going to begin moving into the fundamentals. If you really want to understand what this business is all about and what you should be doing on a daily basis, you're going to absolutely want to plug into the next podcast. Make sure your team knows. Don't just send them a text message and hope they understand what to do. I've been sharing this with my team for the last seven or eight or nine days and found that when I've sent them a text, they, they received it, but they still didn't know what to do. Most people still don't understand what podcast technology is. 
Walk them through how easy it is on an Apple or an Android device. Walk them through how easy it is to plug in. Make sure they're staying up to date with these weekly lessons in leadership so that over time we can take them from where they are to where they want to be. Remember, everything you know and how you feel about it, your philosophy determines what you think about, what you think about all day long. Those thoughts, those are the thoughts that drive your actions, what you do. And what you do shows up in your results, what you get. And what you get is, has been, and always will continue to be your lifestyle. Let's go to work on making yours magnificent. Magnificent.